The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Pressure throws it to Eckler on the screen. He's got a block to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. High pass. Can Williams make that catch? My goodness. Feet for a first down. Herbert with time. Now running out of time. Throws on the run. Down the sideline. Caught in the end zone. <laughs> Keenan Allen for the touchdown. Throws, and again, it's intercepted. And that's Asante Samuel. Here's another one. Oh, watch out. How did it feel when Derwin James absolutely powerbombed the f*** out of you on national television? You're listening to the Shock Therapy Podcast with Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. Boom! And we are back with another episode of the Shock Therapy Podcast. Dude, the season's here. We are less than a week from game day. I feel like every year, like I'm always waiting all year long for this moment. My hopes are high. I've got like huge hopes. Like I'm stoked. Like I can't wait to watch like this new offense, like going, taking flight. Dude, like this is awesome. And I can't wait to talk more about a team that we really dominated, like getting back into the groove. Like this is it, man. How are you doing? It's football season. I mean, um, I'm as excited as I could be at this point in the year. Uh, zero, zero, same record as the reigning Super Bowl champs, who in, in less than two days are going to get after it. So we get some live football action um, in two days. And then the big day, uh, Sunday, most teams going at it. Um, I, I'm excited. You, you, Right out the the gate, we get a really high explosive matchup against two teams who were really gunning it last year, who could really move that football and score a lot of points um, with some improved defenses. So it'll be interesting. I know they got a new defensive coordinator. We got a new offensive coordinator. Um, same faces mostly, but some new to to make this matchup a little interesting this this time around. You know, the Dolphins they they really just want to beat you with speed. That's how they want to beat you. They just want to be faster than you at every position. They can do it at wide receiver. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, those guys are lightning, lightning fast. They like to like to uh, get them the ball over the middle and just break open wide open yards. Uh, defensively, I feel like they're they're pretty much the same. Like they, they both teams return pretty much the same team from a year ago. Uh, I think that the big thing you're looking for on defense is. Um, their defensive coordinator, uh, who was, uh, what's his name? Losing it. Fangio. Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio knows Brandon Staley really well, considering Brandon Staley was on his staff. The Chargers defensive coordinator from last year goes and joins as the passing game coordinator for, for the Dolphins. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to, to listen to it, but did you hear Mike McDaniel's press conference? Um, no, I, I saw he was, I saw there was some comments being made about it, but I didn't really see what he was saying. Yeah. I watched about four minutes of it. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I like Mac McDaniel, <laughs> especially after that press conference. Cause he's talking about like, he's just showing them shooting some shots there that need to like come out and be like, all right, bro, what are you talking about? He was talking about how, um, what was the name of uh, the defensive coordinator for us last year that left to go be um, Ronaldo uh, Hill? So Ronaldo Hill, I guess he's like Ronaldo Hill, like jumped on uh, sword and, and kind of took a lot of the bad stuff. And then he and, you know, Brandon Staley went and took all the, 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 the good parts from last season and basically saying that like Brandon Staley took credit for everything that went right. And didn't give any credit for for you know everything that the defense coordinator did there. I don't think that that actually happened, man. Come on, and he's just like he's throwing some shots. I, I thought I liked Mike McDaniel, but after those comments came out, and, and he kind of like brushed him off really quickly, right? Maybe he's just you know joking, having a little back and forth. Uh, but like, 
I've never once heard Brandon Staley say that the reason we lost is because of somebody else. No, uh, that that just sounds like a young head coach who's upset about his team losing in a very embarrassing fashion last time around. Um, I also seen him saying something because I know um, Leon Eichenberg has been hurt a lot through preseason. So Connor Williams has been getting a lot of snaps at center and it has been taking first team snaps a, a lot recently. And I know he was asked about that and they're like, and he, his response was, yeah. Um, what is his name? Uh, William uh, Connor Williams is taking some first team reps in practice. Um, he may or may not get, reps in the game just like he i don't know he's just very childish it seems um and i don't think well we'll we'll see really soon whether or not he's a good leader but i just don't think that bodes well when when you're that childish and you're never i don't know i can i just don't see him taking a lot of accountability for where he failed last year especially with with his hand, all those head injuries and you guys can and they completely dismantled down the stretch last year. They were being talked about as one of the hottest teams in the NFL and then just completely uh, fell apart. And I haven't heard him once man up and, and take any responsibility for that. Uh, so I, I just think that kind of a, lacks a little bit of leadership there. It's a, it's a very interesting leadership up there. Like Mike McDaniel, he's a young guy. He's supposed to be known as this, like, do you ever get a chance to listen to the athletics? Um um, coaches, uh, they're talking about the, um, the the coaching tree that comes from um, Mike McDaniel, uh, Brandon Staley. They're talking about Sean McVay, that whole coaching tree. Did you ever get a chance to watch that? Because Mike McDaniel is part of that, right? But he seems like the, yeah. the forgotten guy inside of that because he's like the least important of that entire coaching tree. Yeah, he's a head coach. They have found a lot of success through the air in this this passing scheme that they have through the Dolphins. But he's the most irrelevant of that entire coaching tree, barely in the conversation in comparison to like Sean McVay, which they couldn't talk talk enough about. Uh, 49ers um, head coach. Uh, I'm really bad with names today. Um, so 49ers head coach. Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan and like how – They've like really molded this brand new offense and, and, you know, each of them are competing back and forth against each other. Nobody was talking about Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel was talking about them, but he was the most irrelevant of the entire bunch, which I thought was hilarious. So this guy could talk all he wants, sm smoke all the vapes that he wants at practice and all the <laughs> other things that he he's well known for. Um, he, he's not known for anything good. So no, I, well, it's, yeah, it, it's gloves off um, come Sunday. I, I honestly, I had no animosity towards this team at all. I'm just kind of felt like indifferent. Like, like I know there's the, the, the quarterback rivalry between Tua and, and Herbert, um, but I never really bought too much into it. Like they're just a team I don't really think a whole lot about, um, but that makes me angry. So now I want to go and, and punch him in the mouth yeah. and, and embarrass him again. I think it's a fun team. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I think when you look That's... at this roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill on the same team, like, that's a fun combination. That's going to score you a lot of points. That's going to get you a lot of seats on game day. Tua is probably one of my favorite players just in terms of his his mindset. Like, I like Tua a lot. Like, the player, the person. I, I don't think he's got really a good fair shake, but I, I like this team. Don't get me wrong. Like they're a fun team that I would watch if I'm flipping through and, and there's not like a great game on. And I see they could be playing anybody. They could be playing the commanders or Arizona. I would watch just because I think that this team is fun to watch, but I just don't like that leadership up at the top. Just based off of what I've heard today, based off the, the little things from Mike McDaniel, like he's kind of controversial inside of all of you know the media the way he talks on 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 camera is it rubs me wrong like i just he just seems like kind of an asshole just kind of low-key of an asshole right like i just i don't like that man but like braxton barrios he's a fun player to watch back when you were with the jets um 
they, they like these small, speedy types of guys who who can win track meets, and, and that's what their offense is based around. I think they have the perfect quarterback for that. They've been talking. I, I listened to a couple Dolphins podcasts who was, I, I guess, spent a lot of time this offseason trying to make the throws to the, the, you know, outside the numbers part of the field, which is not what he's good at. Let's get into the offense. Tell me a little bit about what you think with the the skill position players of, you know, who two is going to be spreading the ball around to. And is this offense going to replicate the success they had last year? Or do you think teams are just going to figure it out? They're just going to man them up, man the little guys up and, and really force the timing away from Tua. So like, what, what is the wet recipe yeah. to beating this team? And are you think that they're the real deal? Um, yeah, I think when looking at the, the, Miami offense it I think you nailed it um it starts with speed and those guys on the outside Jalen Waddle Tyreek Hill if you let them um they're gonna carve you up because they're just so fast they're very gifted route runners um and both of them are elite when the ball is in their hands um they went and got Braxton Berrios they added added uh Cedric Wilson to kind of round out that depth I, I think those guys are give them a um another added cushion behind just, you know, speedy deep threats. Um, I don't think beyond that, they did a whole lot to improve. Um, I know they went and tried and got Jeff Wilson kind of addressed that run game, which was kind of unexistent a lot at times last year. Um, he's on IR got, right now, I think he's hurt. Um, so he's not even good. He, yeah. He's not even suiting up for at least the first four weeks. Uh, Raheem Mostert, was your other speedy kind of going to be your change of pace back, but now he's 31 year old player though. 31 year old guy who has uh, injuries. Um, Now he's thrown into a workload that he wasn't expecting. I know they drafted in the third round um, a chain who is very, very fast too, fits that mold. um, But as an unproven guy, Um, their tight end room, Duran Smith, Tyler Croft, um, not guys that are, are, going to really kill you in the passing game. Um, and then I think we're, they didn't do anything in my opinion to improve their, their offensive line, which I thought was their biggest reason for failure down the stretch Tua just didn't have time. And even with, you know, only needing a fraction of a second for Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill to get open. Uh, he was just harassed a lot. Um, the, the, how you get Tua into making mistakes and not being an elite offense is, taking away his first and second read. Once he has to adapt and go through his progression to a third and fourth option, he panics and he throws bad balls and they get picked off a lot of the time. So that's getting after taking away his main shots, um, getting after him as far as a pass rush. That's kind of what, and not being able to establish a run game is where they got in trouble last year. And I just don't think, the offensive line is that much improved. Um, Teron Armstead didn't even practice today, so he's questionable for Sunday. Um, Austin Jackson's had an up-and-down career. Uh, we don't know who's starting at center because Liam Eikenberg's hurt. Um, Isaiah Wynn has also had an up-and-down career. I think Robert Hunt is your most consistent guy, uh, but he's not elite in any means. So um, that's kind of my breakdown of this Miami offense. I think it's very similar. I think they attempted – um to add some depth but i think they neglected their biggest weakness which was that o-line um and i think it's gonna even starting week one uh give them problems yeah i think that this offensive line is kind of in limbo right now um austin jackson is going to be their starting tackle at right tackle he only played two games last year Uh, he was drafted pretty highly out of usc just really hasn't been available hasn't really showed up Almost lost his starting spot to Liam Eichenberg for there for a while. They they were in a camp battle between Liam, Liam Eichenberg and Austin Jackson a couple of years ago. Neither player really took advantage. They ended up moving Eichenberg inside. And then they signed Brandon Shell and Greg Little last year to compete. And they really just forced Austin Jackson to, to sit and, and learn. Um, they Shell and, and Greg Little were not all that great. They both gave up uh, almost... 75 pressures together last year between the combination of them both. Teron Armstead finally got a healthy season-ish out of him last year, played 14 games last year, uh, only gave up one sack. He's a he's still a really, really good player. It's just whether or not 
he's going to be available. I think that he is going to be available based off of some of the, the reports I've been reading uh, is more precautionary than anything. They don't really have a whole lot of depth. Um, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, they're, they're quality players. Both of them played over a thousand snaps last year. Um, gave up six sacks between the, the, the two of them last year. I think that there is enough on this offensive line. I just don't think that they have very much depth and they're already banged up. We haven't even talked about Isaiah Wynn. Isaiah Wynn was supposed to be like a really, like that was supposed to be the, the new New England Patriot protege at tackle who just couldn't develop, ends up getting cut by Bill Belichick. Didn't play well when he was on the field and now he's going to sit as their backup guard right now potentially playing tackle if Armstead's not available to go. I mean, it's a young group when you look at Eichenberg, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson together. Isaiah Wynn's only like 26 years old. But all of them, all of these guys have underperformed to date. And now you're really throwing them out into the wolves and hoping that they can stay alive. I don't know if they can. Uh, they've got the, They've got Armstead who could be kind of a – uh, a veteran presence for them over there at left tackle. It's just not good enough for what they need. It's okay though, because Tua just gets the ball out of his hand quickly, right? Like he's not taking seven stop dropbacks. It's one, two, three, and, and let it go. One, two, three, let it go. They throw a lot of screens. They do a lot of misdirection type stuff. Um, the, what the chargers did last year is they just manned them up, forced them off the line of scrimmage, unable to, to get off and, and get into these timing routes and it really hurt what the Dolphins wanted to do. And it was really when their, their season started taking a dip last year, right? So when they lost to the Chargers towards the back half of the season, they lost one, they lost two, they lost three. And we beat them without Duran James in the lineup. We beat them without J.C. Jackson. We beat them without um, uh, like three of our starting wide receivers, <laughs> Like they, we beat them. We were even more banged up than they were last year. And we still forced them out of their play calling offensively. And we, we kind of ran away with that game. Like nobody expected us to go into that game and dominate. We went in there and we completely shut off their entire offensive game plan. And there was nothing that they could do. We'll see if that changes this year. I think that you know, another year in the system, they might be a little bit better, but really just dependent on whether we go into it with the same game plan or if we try to ch change things up a little bit more. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not buying it to be honest. I, I don't think that they're going to be as good as they are. I think they've got a few superstar talents that kind of carry them the rest of the way, but I don't think that they're strong enough at that, the, that the core of their team to really be a successful team next season. No, they're going to be streaky. Um, I think I, I think they're going to be streaky. They they got the explosive talent at the front end of that um, depth chart. Um, as soon as they get one or two key guys banged up, they're going to struggle. Um, but it, it, it's it's going to be a week in week basis with a weekly basis kind of thing with the the Dolphins. I think week one, I think they're going to struggle. That offensive line is not played together completely, um, and they don't get they start off with a, a tough matchup having to deal with Joey Bosa who didn't play in the first matchup, Khalil Mack who's back at it in the second season with LA. Um, it's not going to be easy out of the gate. So I, I think they're going to need a couple of days or a couple of weeks to get in their rhythm. Um, I think they could rattle three, four games in a row, but I don't think it's going to be until week three. Uh, we see their first win, honestly. I also think that their rushing offense is abysmal. Uh, Raheem Mostert, like, as a starter, not good. Jeff Wilson, as a starter, not good. Um, they can't they run just, the football. They, they can't. They have they have home run hitters, but you can't you can't go into a long season expecting to be unable to run the ball. That's why the Chargers were blown out by the Jaguars in the second half of uh, the last game that they played. Well, they could not run the ball. They could not control the clock. And you can only hit so many home runs in a game. Well, and I thought a healthy Wilson would, was going to be a good addition for him because he is a guy who is tough to bring down, who is physical, who had, who could also catch the ball. But I don't think you needed him with A-Chain and, and Raheem Mostert. Him not being able – him not being healthy now leaves you with talented running backs 
but neither nobody uh, suiting up come Sunday is able to run the football effectively. Um, and I think you're going to need that in, in a, a, a slugfest. Whichever team can get up to their lead and be able to control that the clock once they maintain, establish a lead, I think that's going to be the team that wins this. And I don't think the Miami Dolphins, even if the Dolphins get out to a, a big lead, they're not, they don't have the run game to fall back to maintain it. So it's going to be, I think, the team who can slow the other opposing offense down by controlling the clock. Um, that's going to be a key factor. And I just don't think, I think our run game is a, much more suited to, to be able to do that. On the defensive side of the ball, I, they got some really nice pieces. They're not all healthy. They're they're losing their number one player. We'll talk about him in a sec. But Christian uh, Wilkins, probably the most dominant interior defender, not named um, Chris Jones or Donald um, Aaron Donald. Outside of those two, I think he is like right behind them as one of the most effective pass rushers from the interior and run defenders. Like this guy is really really good. Uh, he's about to earn a massive contract. I don't think that they came to an agreement on the contract. I thought that was one of the storylines uh, that they've been talking about for a while. Uh, Raekwon Davis, solid nose tackle. Zach Sealer, also a really solid interior piece for them. And then last year, Jalen Phillips blew up. He he had a, a phenomenal season as a edge rusher for them last season. Ended up getting 10 sacks, uh, a total of uh, 40 uh, where's my pressure? 77 pressures. That's that's pretty damn good for a second-year player going into his third season. He's really starting to hit his stride. I really like what they've got there for them. Uh, he's he's going to be a, a great player. This is probably his breakout season uh, in terms of like his trajectory going as a rookie to his second year. That This year, he's really going to come off and surprise a lot of teams. Give me a little bit of your thoughts of some of your favorite players on this defense. I can't hear you, Zach. You're muted, big dog. All right. Well, you're still muted. And while you're trying to figure that out, I'll keep talking a little bit more. So Jalen Phillips uh, finished 77 pressures. That is the sixth most amongst uh, all edge rushers. Um, and then the, the 10 sacks, like I just talked about, the only guys that finished with more um, – more pressures with Michael Parsons, Nick Bosa, Hussein Reddick, Max Crosby, Zedarius Smith, and then Phillips is right there. So he's really coming into his own. Looks like you finally got off mute, and I'll let you go ahead and take over. Yeah, um, I think defensively up front, my, Miami has a scary uh, defensive line. Um, right in the middle, Christian Wilkins, Raquan Davis, big bodies, Zach Seiler, that old school um, D end. And then on the outside, these guys can get after you, uh, get after the passer. Uh, Jalen Phillips, you mentioned that new, the youth there, uh, but they also have Bradley Chubb, who's no slouch. Uh, uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, who's a really nice rotational piece for him. Um, I think that's really the strength of this defense um, is up front and, and they could disturb, disrupt you in a lot of different ways. And it'll be exciting. It'll be a good test for, for our offensive line because um, these guys, these, these guys are legit and it'll be, be a good judgment point of, of our offensive line um, to see where these guys are, where these guys are, are stacking up with, you know, Rayshon Slater not playing a whole lot of snaps last year. I don't, what is it about Bradley Chubb, man? Like, I feel like he was drafted like top 15, like six, seven years ago. And I, I like him, but I, for one, he, he struggles to stay in the field. And for his draft position, I, I still think he is underperformed today of what his potential could be like coming out of the 2017 NFL draft or whatever. Like he, he was a hot name. Everybody thought that him and um, uh, Vic were going to, to just tear defenses apart there in Denver. And then Chubb just failed to really make that massive impact. Like he's never really finished as a, a top 10, top 15 edge rusher. Like, He's just been a very consistent player when he's been on the field, but at no point has he ever taken over a game. At no point you look at this guy as, as a, a guy deserving of, you know, $20 million a year average. Like he's, he's a good player, but for whatever reason, I feel like he is underperformed. Do you get that? Like, do you see that from, from Bradley Chubb? 
Um, to be honest, I think he has a very similar career thus far to, to Joey Bosa, a guy who I think when fully healthy and when, you know, surrounded with defense uh, or, you know, talent around him can be impactful, can be a, a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, but when he was healthy, he didn't have help. His team was really bad. When he was healthy, when when all the um, you know expectations were sky high, he struggled with injuries. So I think he's one of those guys when when healthy, when surrounded by when he doesn't have to do it all himself, he's a hell of a player. Um, I, I just think he's been kind of plagued with inconsistencies. Um, when he's healthy, his team's no good. I just I haven't liked what I've seen to date uh, from from the player because I think that he's he was so hyped as the top edge rusher taken in his draft class and I just haven't seen it reach its full potential. He's never taken over a game. He's never ended a game. You know what I mean? Like that's that it's just he rubs me a little bit wrong in terms of like what I think that he could have been versus what he is. Uh, they also have Jerome Breaker bringing him back from last season, had 76 tackles, uh, played, you know, over 1,000 snaps for them last year, uh, 45 stops, you know, 12% missed tackle rate. Like, he's a pretty solid linebacker for them. Uh, they let go of Elandon Roberts from last season, and they brought in David Long from, I want to say, Tennessee is where he played last year. Uh, behind him, Channing Tindall, Duke Riley, only going into the game with four inside linebackers I think that's a, 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 a place that you could kind of attack them a little bit if you really wanted to with a, a, a fast guy like Austin Eckler uh, and try to see if we can get that run game going uh, I, I, it's a solid interior group I think that they're a little light in depth right now and that's something you can't take advantage of them make them run it's going to be the first game of the season how's their conditioning going to be uh, and that's an important position to, to have that at um, any thoughts on their linebacking room? Just, um, just that they're not, they're not speedsters. They're not very great coverage guys. And I think they're going to have trouble um, dealing with Austin Eckler out there trying to prove that he's worth an extension and trying to prove a lot of people, um, you know, wrong based off, you know, of what he was saying and all of his contract negotiations during the offseason I, I think i'm i'm expecting a very very motivated um and dangerous austin eckler this year um and i think jerome baker and david long jr and in, in for a very long sunday afternoon and then uh the, the big news is that jalen ramsey starts the season on ir had a, a knee injury pretty early into training camp which has knocked him out that's huge for the Chargers not have to play him first game of the season Allows them to build up a little bit. They still have Xavier Howard, who is a, a you know an A minus co coverage corner. Always a guy who comes down with turnovers. I I feel like every season he's up at the top of the list with six, seven, eight uh, interceptions. Really sticky man in coverage. Really instinctive, smart player. Probably their best player on defense right now. Jalen Phillips is kind of in that conversation as, as well as Christian Wilkins. But Howard has the, the all pro seasons. He's got the Pro Bowl seasons. He's the vet of that group, and he's probably their number one leader in that entire defensive room. Uh, they've got some other good pieces back there, Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, uh, Eli Apple, who was just in the Super Bowl two seasons ago with the Bengals, also cost them a lot. And then they have some young players like Cam Smith, who was drafted in the second round of last year, season's draft, and Cater Cahoe. Um, what do you think about the secondary as a whole? They also traded for Kelvin Joseph. Um do you think that they they match up well with the Chargers wide receivers? Uh, and kind of how do you think that this game plays out in terms of that secondary in the back half? Yeah, um, I think no. I think Jalen Ramsey healthy. This is a, a very different team, um, very different team. I think anytime you can add a talent like Jalen Ramsey uh, to a unit, regardless of who you have, you're, you're going to improve. Uh, he's just that type of guy no Jalen Ramsey with this group, I think you're looking at a, a, a weakness. Now, Xavier Howard, I really want no part of him. Um, I think he is a great coverage corner. Eli Apple, please and thank you. Give me all of the reps there. Um, I'm attacking Eli Apple 
very often um, because I just don't think he's that good. He's on his fifth team now. Um, A guy talking about a guy who who doesn't have the production to warrant his draft selection was a, a number 10 overall pick who has just floated around the league at like, like dirty laundry. Nobody wants this guy. Um, and so I, I'm at, I, I think even on both, both DBs, I think both defenses, the keys to slowing down the opposing offense is having good day from the, the secondary. I like how our guys stack up against their receivers. I like our receivers chances against these DBs uh, just because I don't think outside of Xavier and Howard, um, I don't really respect these guys as coverage guys. And I think with Quentin Johnston and Josh Palmer, with the depth that we have at receiver um, and, and Kellen Moore's willingness to move guys around and exploit mismatches, I think we're going to have plenty of that come Sunday afternoon. And I, I, I think Eli Apple's going to struggle out the gate. Um, and I'm excited for that because that means a big day for whoever's lined up across from him. You know, he gets so streaky. Like Eli Apple will have like two games, three games in a row. He'll just have a monster. And then like in those games where he has monster games, he's also giving up like big plays too, right? Like he makes his plays, but he's so streaky and he goes so hot and cold that you see like the ability, which is why teams continue to sign him. But then you see the inconsistencies in him losing games. Like he is so streaky that it's almost scary. Like he he can pick you off or pick six. And then the next play, he could, you know, just trip over his shoelaces and just let the ball, like, let the play go for, you know, 90 yards touchdown. He gets really streaky. You're you're going to win more often than, than you will lose in those matchups against him, especially if you put a big body on him. Uh, I'm interested to see where this team plays Xavier Howard and how they, they yeah. if they have him follow Keenan Allen across the field, if they have them play more zone. I mean, nobody wants to play man against Keenan Allen, even at 31 years old, because he's going to light you up. He's going to torch you. He does it every season. If I'm, I want to see Eli Apple manned up in the slot against Keenan Allen. That's That would be my my Christmas gift early, super early in, in September. That's what I want to see. And the thing is, like, I still think that's Eli Apple's best chance. I think one-on-one against any of the other bigger bodies at receiver. And for different reasons, Eli Apple's getting, is going to get pieced up. Um, I just don't think, I don't think he has the the stickiness to stick with Keenan. And I don't think he has the physicality or the timing uh, to effectively play big bodies like Mike Williams um, and Josh Palmer. Um, and that's and funny because he's six one, like he's on a small corner. He's no, over I just, 200 pounds. I think his best matchup is against Keenan, which is not <laughs> Nobody want nobody's wishing for that. So I just think no. again, I just think it's 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 a great game for Quentin of, Johnson. Of, it's a sure. great game to give QJ that subpar competition, let him get in a couple big plays and really just grow into it. And you want to do that against a cornerback just like Eli Apple. That's who you do it against. I think it'll be yeah, I think our top four guys are are getting at least three or four um targets if not catches and and so I, I think this is a big day to get a lot of the young guys going um i i'm hoping you know third fourth quarter we're seeing a lot of josh kelly isaiah spiller because that means we're milking clock and so that's i think ideal um nothing ever goes to plan but that, that's at least what i'm hoping for what are your keys to to winning this game if you're coming out of SoFi Stadium and i'm gonna be there so i'm stoked i can't wait to get back into thunder alley get back in I mean, this is it. I'm ready for it. So, like, what are the keys to this game, to winning this game? What do the Chargers need to do on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, to walk away with a 24-10 win? No, I think I, I think I think it's funny. I think the offensively, these teams kind of want to do the same thing. They they want to sling the ball. They do it differently, but they're all about airing the ball out. Um, both kind of have question marks around their run games for different reasons. Um, But I think you're going to see a lot of passing attempts. I I don't think it's, you know, you know, I don't think it's crazy to think that each of these quarterbacks could have 50 passing attempts at the end of the day. Um, I'm hoping our defense shows up a little more so we don't see that. Uh, But I think offensively, 
getting spreading the ball around, mixing people up, being able to have Keenan hit eight or nine guys. I think that's really where we're going to shine. Having so much depth, being able to not have to not have to force the ball to Keenan or force the ball to Mike because of circumstance. I think healthy, this team is dangerous, and they got 10 guys who can make serious pushes for touches. Um, and so I think that's where it, it starts for the Chargers is to be versatile on offense, being able to spread, spread that ball around um, and get into the second and third levels of this of the Miami defense where I think their, their weaknesses lie. Defensively, it's all about shutting down the outside guys, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. If we can at least make things tough for them, make uh, uh, Tua throw to his tight ends, throw to Braxton Berrios, check down to his running backs, that's where we win. If we allow um, Keenan, if we allow Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle to combine for 200-plus receiving yards, I think that's when we can get in trouble. I'm really excited to see how Austin Eckler is utilized. We haven't got to see him in this offense yet. And no. if he's taking the Tony Pollard role, he's taking the jet sweeps. He's moving around the formation. I'm really looking forward to see what that looks like. Cause I think Austin Eckler is a better running back than Tony Pollard. And I want to see Joshua Kelly in that Ezekiel Elliott um, kind of mm -hmm. role where he's more between the tackles. Same thing with Isaiah Spiller. I think that's a good committee to have there. Let Austin Eckler be your chess piece that you're forcing defenses to, to key in on and just leave those running lanes open. Uh, and I want to see how we air it out. I want to see how we utilize this, this passing offense. I've gotten a chance to go to training camp a couple times, and I love the fact that we're putting a big slot on Mike Williams and we're letting us, um, uh, Keenan Allen eat from the outside. He's been running more goal routes this training camp than he's done throughout his entire career. And he's not, it's not that he's taking the defenses deep. He's just, he's getting. He's using his route running to create some sort of separation out there and, you know, being smart with his body positioning of coming up with some big plays. He's been talk camp. I'm really excited to see how Kellen Moore utilizes all these pieces in a way different fashion. I think we've ever seen with the players on this roster, you know, whether it's um, Austin Eckler being that jet sweet man, whether it's having more of a defined run game where Players know their roles, knows their assignments, and a more of a gap scheme. Get up north and south. Let's uh, let's break some big ones. That's one of the keys I, I'm going to have is just how does how does Kellen Moore utilize his weapons in this offense, and how much more efficient can it be than whatever Joe Lombardi put on the field last year? Well, I guess just to piggyback off that, um, how exciting was the run game through the preseason? I don't know. I think I, we I finished think, with the top rushing offense in the preseason, which is insane because that was what I was leading to. It. it was, I think, I don't remember the, the final numbers. It was like 450, 560 yards, uh, the most in a preseason by any team since 2001. And I do want to put like a little bit of breaks on that, just a little bit, because I think some of it was like two explosive runs for sure. like 75 yard touchdowns. But you also look like Joshua Kelly broke one. Isaiah Spiller broke one. I don't care if it was called back for a holding because if had that holding not occurred, he still would have gone for the 75 yards. Um, no, I mean, asterisks definitely need to put be put on any preseason stat. Yeah, but you uh, know what? You could put an asterisk on, on Mark McGuire's home runs. He still hit those. Like, I don't care what you said. Like, those still went. My my point is, is, is it shows growth at something that really held us back from making a serious playoff push last year, which was being able to establish a run. It, it is preseason, but still it, it shows you that the culture is changing, um, and that's positive for, for Charger fans. On the defensive side of the ball, I think it's really important to be dominant in the run game. Um, it's, been, it's been a handcuff for us since 2012, right? Like, when was the last time we had a yeah. dominant – run defense and we just have it what scares me is we are bringing back the same exact defensive unit with the only exception of eric kendricks tuli tui pilotu who isn't going to be the starter scott matlock who was a sixth round draft pick we're bringing back a banged up austin johnson and a banged up atito agonia i don't think we improved on the defensive line 
It's just whether or not schematically we learn our job better than we did last year. I think that we have the guys. I really like Morgan Fox. I really like Sebastian Joseph Day. I'm still on the Austin Johnson hype train, and I think that he's just now getting in in his work. He's going to be healthier-ish, right? Still, what, like nine months removed from his knee injury? I think we have the pieces on the defensive line, especially with Joey Bosa back. Um, Quill Max probably getting a little bit older, but is he, he's aged pretty well so far. Do we have those pieces? We didn't. We didn't upgrade. Have those pieces learn their roles to be better at it? That's a that's a scary question, and I don't know. I don't have the answer to it yet. Well, I, I think the biggest key there, um, and it's not a new name. Um, but definitely a newer type of, you know, physique this year. Joey Bosa putting on the weight he did to go back to his old school run stuffing D end ways, I think is going to be key. Him being healthy him him feeling better in his body than he has the last two, three years. Um, A a lot of of this game being so physical as it is, it is mental being able to talk yourself out of, oh, no, I'm not hurt. I'm going to go 110%. Um, being able to to have comp- – you, and you're only able to do that when you have confidence in your body, uh, when, you aren't, when you're not doubting yourself. Um, and I think putting on that weight, having Joey, you know, showing up to, to camp when he did, I think it speaks a lot about his mindset this year. Um, I'm hoping we're, we got rid of the boneheaded penalties that have kind of plagued him the last – uh, the, recently, um, so I think Joey Bosa, healthy, where he at, where he is at physically and mentally, um, is going to be a big key to this unit beyond just not you know not having extra names or different bodies in house. The the four players that come to mind when it comes to run defense isn't even Joey Bosa because he's going to be off the edge. He's going to be making sure that the rushing lane is smaller, right? But it's Morgan Fox, Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, and Eric Kendricks. Can those four guys in the middle, because that's where you get gashed in the run game, is in the A and B gaps. That's where it is. You, you the, the home runs happen off the edge from not having contained, but the, 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 the average is in the A and B gaps, because that's where most teams run to. Can Austin Johnson, Morgan Fox, Sebastian Joseph Day, and Eric Kendricks fill those gaps? Also, Kenneth Murray has been talked about very, very highly this year. He's in a contract year. I don't think that there's a player has more to play for this season because he is shrugging off this. He is trying to make sun shine through a very dark cloud that has been over his head for the last two and a half seasons. He needs to really show out this year. He's going to get some opportunities. I don't think Diane Henley is going to get those opportunities early on to start until Kenneth Murray shows the, the the coaching staff that he can't get it done, at which point he's just going to be cast off. I don't think that he can play for an, another contract with the Chargers. I think they already brought in his replacement. Henley is going to replace him at some point during the season. I want to challenge Kenneth Murray to go make some money. Linebackers do not get paid in free agency. They're the running backs of the defense. They always have been. Can you go and try to make yourself some money in a contract year? You have not played well to date, but you've got all the athletic ability in the world. You've got so much to play for. Everybody's been against you. You don't have any fans. I can't think of a single Kenneth Murray jersey that I've seen at all on game day. I can't think think of a single one. I own one. I actually own a Kenneth Murray 56 jersey. Let me wear it, bro. Give me a reason to wear that jersey on game day. I will. I will go and pull that out. But until you show me something, man, I need to see it because I had you as a defensive player of the year candidate on our first season on this podcast. What the hell, dude? Give me a reason to wear it. I'm a big fan. I love the story. And I love the whole like canine story from like the childhood, the whole family thing, the dynamic that you had to deal with being a big brother like that. Let me see you put it on the field because, man, you got all that ability. It's time. He has no nothing to, to fall back on either. Um, no, he doesn't. Healthy, plenty of time, plenty of opportunities uh, to to grow as a player. So it's, it's do or die time for K-9. And uh, I'm excited because – I've only heard good things coming out of camp and excited to see that 
you know, against the first team competition now that, that we're in this to the regular season. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? I know like we our podcasts have been like really inconsistent. We didn't get a chance to really talk about the 53 man roster. There's a couple surprises. Uh, I think the biggest one is, is our, our safety AJ Finley. I wasn't expecting this cat to, to make the roster. He does, which is great. Um, couple other names on there that, that made the roster that I was a little surprised by, but also not really like Elijah Dotson making the roster. That's awesome. I think that he was really on that bubble of making it. Uh, it was really a decision whether or not they wanted to carry um, five or six wide receivers. They ended up going with five wide receivers. Jalen Guyton is on the IR. They were expecting to get him back. Um whether or not he actually makes it back or he gets cut is really going to be dependent on how Darius Davis starts this season. That's one of those storylines to watch. And then um, they, they brought in a couple pieces. Um, they, they cut their fullback. I don't know if you saw that. Xander Horvath got cut. He was he was the, the 53rd man to make the roster, the first one to get cut. Any thoughts on this uh, this roster, some surprise names that you didn't think were going to make it? Um, also hats off to, uh, to, uh, uh, our kicker who was shipped off to the Browns did a great job for us, really changed the whole special teams unit for us. Uh, shout out to a name that I can't think of right now. Dustin Hopkins. Dustin Hopkins. Thank you, bro. You, you really, uh, you really changed the whole kicking game for us. I appreciate that. Was there a question in there at some point where? Yeah, just talk about like what you thought about some of these oh, other the guys that made the roster. Um, Tanner Muse was brought in, um, one of those names that kind of got lost in. in I don't know. Just talk about yeah. whatever you want to talk about before we close out. Um, I think, I think the biggest surprise for me was was no Xander Horvath, um, and I think, and I, and I think the only reason I was surprised by that was of how many how important he was to special teams he was on all four units and and um i thought with you know kellen moore coming in who has a little more usage for fullbacks i thought he was pretty safe um him getting cut i think speaks tremendously to how his coaching staff views stone smart who is going to be the guy who's going to take a lot of those reps on special teams um I also think gives you a little more versatility from that fullback position, more of a Steven Anderson type of asset there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see Stone Smart's um, acceleration in this offense, if he's used there at all, if it was just a, a straight special team for special team swap. Um, I'm excited for, for Stone Smart's role to evolve because i think all those i think elijah dotson is just a, a hold i think he's going to be an active come game day um i i i don't i don't think those other bubble guys i think i was surprised about aj finley but i think he's mostly a depth piece i think he's going to be mostly an active come game days um uh, stone smart is, is one of those roster bubble guys who i expect to be suited up um and should be a, a contributor this year um it's just whether or not he can make it into as you know into that offense is what I'm kind of looking at. Yeah, the Xander thing really caught me off guard. I think that the plan is if they're going to have a fullback in certain sets, it's going to be Trey McKitty. Um, I, I think that they have a lot of the same capabilities. Xander, as soon as he was waived, he went and joined the, the Steelers practice squad. So I don't even think he really wanted to stay because he made the 53-man roster Hard to believe that they didn't, weren't holding a spot for him on the practice squad. Hard to believe that 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 happened, right? Um, yeah. I think that they wanted him. I think they saw an opportunity for an extra depth piece because he was released for Tanner Muse. Uh, and if I remember, I think Tanner Muse comes from the Steelers. Yeah. Special teams guy. So they saw enough of Tanner Muse to say, hey, if we lose this player – we're going to get something else that's even more important here. They really attacked the, the special teams units pretty hard, Tanner Muse being that, that main guy for them. Um, had 11 tackles over the preseason, so like he was he was involved 
at least uh, had a fumble recovery during the regular season. Um, last season, it looks like only 20 career tackles. So like a, a really unknown, somebody I should probably go back and do a little bit of research on, but it's kind of hard because he hasn't played a whole lot. So they they must know, I, I can't think of a single guy from the Steelers coaching staff uh, who's on the Chargers coaching staff today. So I, I really don't know where this insight came from. It had to come from somewhere. Um, but letting go of your seventh round draft pick who scored two touchdowns and back-to-back games to start this season last year, who was a core special teams player, who Daniel Popper thought was just a lock to make the roster without any thought of him going anywhere else. Yeah. And I think it's the fact that they're caring for tight ends. They're, they're expecting to use one of those tight ends in fullback capability, and it's probably going to be Trey McKitty. Yeah, well, if you yeah, if you need a, a bulldozer, if you need a I think if you need a pass catching threat, though, I like Stone Smart there. But uh that's why you op- move Trey McKitty, right? Like, is if having Trey McKitty as a fullback makes Xander Horvath redundant, why would you keep both players? Yeah, I well, I just think Horvath gives you different versatility because McKitty's going to play special teams too. Yeah, but Xander Horvath is never going to get a run, right? Neither would If you're I, picking yeah, I, Trey McKitty, like can Xander Horvath play tight end? I think he's more capable of playing tight end than McKitty is to play. <laughs> but fullback. has he ever played tight end? No, but has McKitty never played, played the like, what? So has now you have to fullback? teach. You have I guess teach, he's... Have you ever seen Xander Horvath run a, a deep route or a corner or a I post? Mean, he was a running back in college. He was a running back, right? But running backs in this league are not worth anything. Ask every single top 10 running back on the market. Not worth anything. They're super replaceable. You can replace them with a seventh round draft pick, right? Well, and I think it, I think it's interesting because... I think I think it it shows you they just don't have any value to that position because Xander was a freak as far as like stat his size him being he was able a to running run. back for Purdue like that's insane I know but just him being as fast as he was at his size you'd think like okay yeah we're gonna keep him we're gonna keep him around we're gonna fill him out he's gonna be our special team guy he never he never was crazy he was just yeah he was just kind of mediocre and I think. They're ready to give somebody else a chance to be mediocre, if not prove themselves. It was only one season. He was their final pick in the draft last year, and I thought he played well in his opportunities. I thought he was a pretty decent special teamer. I don't think that they wanted to lose him. I mean, they they let him joint hit the practice. They let him hit waivers um, the second time around after he made the 53. I think that what it came down to was the fact that they already could replace that position with a similar position as a tight end, but as a tight end, you have more flexibility because you can use them a little bit differently as a threat in the passing game. They block in line and Trey McKitty, even though he hasn't shown it since his rookie season can be a B plus run blocker in the right situation. We've seen it. It hasn't always come to fruition. Uh, but I think you, you get an element from Trey McKitty that you don't get with Xander. And I think that's what made him replaceable. Also, I don't think that they want to um, – I don't think that they want to come clean about the fact that they think that that was a mistake. What, Xander was a mistake or McKitty was No, McKitty. McKitty was drafted a little bit higher than he should have been, probably like two rounds. Realistically, I think that he should have been like a – a fifth round draft pick. I think that's what everybody else had him pegged. You just didn't see enough from him at Georgia um, as a pass catching threat. He wasn't the best run blocker on his team. That went to the 270 pound Bohemoth who's playing for probably the Eagles because they love Georgia players. Uh, and he wasn't the best receiving threat because obviously is an astronomical athlete. I think that he was just uh I, I don't got to talk about it anymore. I, he's just not the player that we all envisioned that the coaching staff envisioned. I never saw him in that role. I tried to talk myself into it. It was really difficult to do. I did it. And now I can't even say that you were wrong because I started putting some hype behind his name. 
he started the one game, didn't show us anything, and he's really struggled. And putting him at fullback is probably the easiest place to throw him and make him not even noticeable. Make it happen, then. Let's go. Closing remarks, Zach. What's the, the final score of this game going to be? Um, Let's go. I'm excited, for one. Um, and I'm really hoping we get out to off on a good note. Um, and I'm going with... A 31-24 Charger win. I'm going to go 24-10. I think that we're going to come out hot. I've seen a lot of stuff from training camp that looked really good. Um, I've seen a lot of battles. And I, while I think that the Dolphins might be further along because they didn't need to learn a new offensive scheme, I think we have better weapons that can be utilized in different kinds of ways. We have the run-after-catch specialist. We have the deep ball guy. We have the chain mover. Uh, we've got better running backs. We've got three better running. All three of our running backs would start in place of their number one running back. And I think that we get out to an early lead. We milk the clock. We man these boys up. We show them that this is a man's game. If you're 5'8", five, 5'9", five, you're not going to be able to get off the line of scrimmage. And I don't think they have very many players over six foot. Um, and they just... I just I don't trust their offensive line. I don't trust their tight end. Uh, I I love their pieces on their defense. I think that their defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. But I think that this team is predicated on home runs. And how often do you get a home run? You know, once every couple games, once a week, once a month, right? Like you're not going to get that many home runs. So, um, well, and I will just say, I think I think the biggest advantage for the chargers is just the amount of options we have. Um, I think Miami has phenomenal number one and number two shot outside of that. I'm not super scared. And I really think the charger strength lies with how many bodies that they have. Now we're also a lot different than, than we were last year compared to them with having a new brand new offense. I think our variance is going to cause them a little more struggles than their very, very similar um, offense that, that we're going to face. I think I think that David, um, Devin Arshane, I think that he's going to emerge as their number one back. I think they want him to be Chris Johnson, CJ2K. I don't know if he's that player. Oh. I think that's going to be one of the, the big storylines of the season is he's he's in a really bad situation for running backs, which is really good for him. Because he could be the, the lone guy that stars there. I don't know if he's good enough. I don't know if he's fast, he's fast enough. enough. I know he's fast. I don't know if he's fast enough. Because Chris Her Chris Johnson ran like a – what was it? A 4-2-7? A 4 like, like, four, two, four yeah, something four, like that? 4-2-something. And then I think it was clocked – with clock running like a 4-3 and pads over like a 20-yard stretch at one point. So I just can he be Chris Johnson? And that's what they want. They want somebody yeah. who can just find a seam and just outrun everybody. He's close. He's close. Does he does he have the vision for it? Also, a player who got to play uh underneath of uh our fourth round draft pick, um C, uh, Isaiah Spiller, they were teammates, he knows all about him. There's going to be some insider trading going on for the Chargers. Like they got to know some of his weaknesses because of that. So something to watch for. That and uh, they got they have Jalen Ramsey, who even though he's not healthy, gives you a lot of insight into what Staley wants to do. Yeah, I just don't think it's enough. Uh, and you know they played each other last year. I I think when I compare the two rosters, I even pair the coaching staff like. I have way more to talk about with the Chargers. I think that this team has double the number of star talent. Uh, and I think that they're deeper at just about every position, basically. Um, I'm not worried about this game at all. I really think it's going to be kind of a, a breakaway 24-10 type of game. And I think that we need that coming out party. I'd say, I'd say more than anything – I am a little worried, but my nerves kind of are are inward. Are we going to come out with low energy? Are we going to 
make silly uh, mistakes early on. Um, that's kind of what I'm worried about, us kind of beating ourselves. I'm not super worried about what they're going to bring to the table. Um, now, that's easy coming from a, a fan. I hope that that is not the mentality, and I'm pretty sure that's not the mentality that Staley is, is reiterating in the locker room, um, but I'm just excited to get back to football. Um, we haven't seen this team play a meaningful snap since we blew a 27.0 lead, so it's time to put that to rest, you know, let that story die um, and, and rewrite this this new 2024 story, which I'm hoping is exciting um, and has all the potential to be. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. My laptop's done. I'm going to see you in a couple weeks, Zach, for this Raiders game here yeah. in week four. We got a lot of football. We got a lot of podcasting to do. We got a lot to be excited for. And I'm just hoping that this is the year that the Chargers don't let me down.